Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. At Passover time, there's uh, an expression that says, Dainu. And it kind of goes like this as we're telling the story of God's deliverance of the people of Israel. It said it would have been enough if he, they had led them out and made a way through the Red Sea, Dainu. And it would have been enough if, they had, if he had provided manna from heaven. And on and on as we tell the story. And these last couple days here in Austin, I keep feeling that sense like it would have been enough. I mean, it did kind of start with uh, Granny's breakfast tacos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, greater goods, coffee, but then we went to an amazing Passover Seder last night, and uh, oh, wow, God is so good, and then the worship, and I have to tell you something, it's so special, I love the Evans family so deeply, and uh, I think that your senior leadership couple together but knowing Joaquin for a lot of years, he is one of the finest worship leaders I've ever met. I know you might not have been expecting that, but every time I am around him in a worship environment or not, I fall in love with Jesus more. And I want to adore him. I want to look at his glory and give honor to him. And, and, and Joaquin, you are an inspiration in your pursuit of Jesus. And it is so contagious. It is so contagious. So to be here at Bethel Austin and then to, to come and to worship at this altar that's being established in this amazing city and what God is doing. And to be here with the Evans and, and the whole family and, and Kess, my little sister here, and hear her do announcements. So amazing. And guys, I want to tell you, this is nothing. I have carried Kess around. When the spirit of prophecy has fell on her and that she can't stand up and we just carry her through the room and the glory of God breaks out as she prophesied, we just put her in front of people for hours under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Do it again, Lord. <laughs> oh, and then Jahi just moved my heart as he's sharing with such love and honor. And I have to say, Sarah and I, we've given 18 of our years uh, in Cyprus leading this uh, ministry base and this discipleship school, and it's still our passion to raise up young adults and to become wholehearted followers of Jesus, to look more like Jesus, to sound like Jesus, to release the image of Jesus in the earth again. And, uh, but I have to say, Jahi is one of the finest one of the finest that we've had the privilege of sowing our, our lives into and running with and being together. And I have to tell you, I'll let you, this is like, kind of feels like family tonight, Saturday night, a little bit easier going. But uh, when Jai finished his first school period with us, we had an exit interview and then there was a time of prophetic prayer for him. And in that time of prophetic prayer, I remember placing my hand on his dreadlocks. <laughs> 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 and the moment that I placed my hand on his head and on his dreads there, the Lord just spoke to my heart, wasn't thinking about it at all. This is Kess's husband. 
And my parents were there as well as part of this presbytery, part of this time of praying. And I said, I, I, I just kind of like leaned back from them and I said, you never believe what the Lord just spoke to me. And I said it to my dad and my mom started getting tuned up with the Holy Spirit. Her nose goes kind of red. I guess it's a Rudolph thing when the Holy Spirit comes on her. <laughs> and my dad quickly rebuked me and he said I was in the flesh and I should get focused again because that's his baby daughter and he didn't want to talk about it. But it was right and I'm so glad. What an amazing couple you guys are. It's such a joy to see you here in the place that you're supposed to be. As we're here on this, in this weekend, and we have the Seder last night, and then we're here tonight uh, at celebrating the Lord, and, and we're looking at resur resur Resurrection Day tomorrow, and there's an alignment also with the biblical feasts and with the biblical calendar at this time, I want to start us off by talking about something that has to do with God's alignment when it comes to time and geography. You see, God is so interested, and he's given both time and place as a medium where the uncreated, the divine, can encounter his people. In the very beginning, in the fellowship of the Godhead, there was a desire in that uncreated love that was going back and forth between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as it was being poured out in the midst. And there was the desire for more, and the new realms and reality was created out of the love of the Godhead. And so they came to a place where they spoke in to the chaos of the unformed, and they began to put order. And they created, God created time and he created the earth as a place where the fruit of the love, the uncreated love of God could be met, where the created could encounter the creator. And so it's a good world that he placed and he created for us. It was a place where he could have intimate fellowship with his creation. And he gave time to seasons in Genesis chapter 1. Now coming from a Jewish background... Every rabbi, every Messianic Jewish teacher, somehow, then planning or not, you always go back to Genesis 1. You go to the beginning of the story. And I wasn't even planning to go here, but in Genesis 1.14, it says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day and the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Now here, this word where it says, let it be for signs and then for seasons, that word seasons is moadim in Hebrew, and it means the appointed times. So God was creating and he was speaking into the world of the formation of the world that there will be lights in the heavens to divide day and night, and there'll be a sign, and there'll be four appointments that he has. And so right now, the ancient biblical calendar, it's based on the, the, it's a lunar calendar, and it's based on the movement of, uh, of, the, of the moon. And so you could go out, and, and tonight as we're in that place, you could look out in the sky and be able to see a full moon. They didn't have their iPhones back in, in ancient times, but they were able to look it out, and they looked up to the heavens. And the ancient people constantly were lifting up their eyes to the heavens to discern the season. 
In fact, Yeshua, Jesus himself, he rebuked the disciples because they were unable to discern the season that they were living in. And this idea of signs in the heavens and of, of appointed times or seasons is that he said, I want to set appointments where I can meet with you, and we're in one this weekend. We're in an appointed time. We're in a, in, a, in a date set by God where he wants to reveal more of his character and his nature to us. He wants to reveal more of who he is. And yes, we're telling ancient stories of redemption starting with the Exodus. And we're telling the story, the most amazing crescendo of the Exodus story in the, in the cross and the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Savior. But he wants to reveal himself in the cycle of the seasons in a new way and take us deeper into revelation tonight. And so he gives time and geography. And when we come into alignment that we're in the right place at the right time, things begin to explode in revelation. I just want to speak prophetically over this house that God has brought you here there's many of you that were in another place, and he repositioned you in this city at this time. And be expecting the divine suddenlies of God when you have this spiritual alignment of being in the right place at the right time. All of a sudden, the divine intervention of heaven comes, and he begins to release great revelation, great purpose for the assignment that's at hand. Some of you have been wondering, you've been asking the questions, why am I here? I don't know. We just showed up and we had this feeling. But God is bringing divine alignment from heaven just as surely as you can go outside and you can lift up your eyes and you can see a moon in the sky and say that this is for a sign and for a season. You see, God loves the earth and he loves the place and he's given to his children, the sons and daughters of Adam, to be rooted in place as well as aware of the time that they're living in. That there is something that he's put purpose in your hearts. There, there's something unique that happens as, as we have the privilege of traveling around the world. As our airplane lands in a new place, I'm always asking the question of the Lord. What's on your heart? How do you see this city? How do you see this nation? How do you see this region, God? And I begin to feel the heart of God. My kids will be able to tell you often when we see um, particularly the skylines of cities, something of the love of God breaks open in my heart. And I can name city after city and region after region where the Lord has taken us and he's just given us a portion of his love that we can be those that will declare the love of God and believe for the impossible in geography, in time, and in space. That's his gift to us. Those are the two mediums where the uncreated encounters the created in time and place. And this is that time. And this is that place for this house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for times and for seasons. Thank you, Lord, for the signs in the heavens as we lift up our eyes, Lord, to be able to see what you are doing. Father, we ask that you would release the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Father, that we would be able to discern the season that we're in. We'd be able to discern the appointments that you have for us and all that you want to speak and all that you want to reveal, not just of our redemptive story, but also of our future in you. And that we can connect the story of redemption with the full picture 
of what you are releasing and what you're doing in our day and in the place that you have positioned us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your heart for Austin. Thank you, Lord, for your heart for this city. Thank you for your heart for this region. just want to declare this, these two scriptures for Renee and Joaquin before we get into the word. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain and God granted his request. The God who hears righteous prayers for enlargement, for increase of territory. And then concerning God coming to Solomon, it says that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered God, Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and the breadth of understanding. Or in another translation it says, Largeness of heart as measureless as the sand on the seashore. And I just feel that there's been a prayer in both of your hearts for enlargement of territory and also for the wisdom to be able to lead and to have the largeness of heart. What happened with Solomon when God granted him that prayer, it says that greater than all of the wisdom of the east and the wisdom of Egypt, Solomon's heart covered the whole land of Israel. And then he was able to build a temple for the presence of God and the glory of God came and filled the temple. And I, and I was just during the worship, I received this word for, for the two of you, and I feel like that there is a largeness of heart that God has been working inside of your lives, and it's an increase of a territory, and that increase has been on the inside first, like the hands of God have, have reached down inside and are, and are expanding your heart, but he's giving you enough of his heart as you pursue his heart to cover the city and to cover the region. And there is an increase of the heart of God that's being expressed in the both of you you as a couple and a vision and that it's right that it's Bethel Austin not as a as a uh, description of the compared to other geographies but because it's a description of the very heart of God for a city for the Lord would raise up a model he'd raise up a model that would join it would rally others too and you're standing upon the promises of past generations of what they believed I feel it in the soil of this earth as we've been here the last few days but there's been a need for someone who would believe God God for his promises and it's releasing a fresh wind of courage to come to the church to believe that a unified one voice with one single eye for Jesus to be raised up and a testimony that will spread out across the land and the Lord granted Solomon's request and he gave him wisdom 
greater than those from the east or for Egypt, greater than the powers of the heights of civilization in his day. And kings and queens came to see the wisdom that God established and to see the wealth that God established and to see the glory that filled the house in Jerusalem. Time and geography, the right time in the right place. At this divine intersection, God does exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. But he, uh, he answers those that ask. And as you've asked, he hears your prayer. Thank you, Lord. Two verses. Jeremiah 6 and verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it and then you will find rest for your souls. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Tonight there is a double portion of rest on this house. You see, the Passover is a Sabbath as a feast. It's a day of rest. And then the first day of unleavened bread is also a Sabbath. Last night we it was Friday night. It was Shabbat. And then it's the first day of the feast of unleavened bread and there is it's a double Sabbath for us. And I just want to declare as you have been building the house of the Lord here, that there is a double portion of his rest upon you. Father, I pray that you would just come like a weighty blanket over this house, Lord God, and release that rest of soul, and you will find rest for your souls. It says to stand, to see, to ask, and then to walk. Thank you, Lord. And then in parallel from the new covenant, from Matthew chapter 13, Yeshua is teaching his disciples. Thank you, Lord. Parables about the kingdom of heaven and what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he goes through seven different parables, and it's in this context that he says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For surely I say to you that prophets and kings long to hear and to see what you would see. And to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. Blessed are your eyes. And then at the very end, he asked them, do you understand these things, these parables of what the kingdom of heaven is like? Are you getting a vision? Are you hearing the sounds of the kingdom of heaven? Are, is there a picture that's being painted for you? And then he finishes it up in a simple way and he says, it's like this. Every teacher and every scribe is instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven, is like the owner of a house who brings out of his treasury 
things new and old. And what we're doing last night in the Passover Seder and today, this, day, this first day, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and, and Silent Saturday, and we're looking at the parallels between the, the ancient biblical calendar and that we see the fulfillment in Jesus, is that we're bringing old and new together. But I want to encourage you, don't, when you hear old, don't think iPhone 4. Or Android. Don't think, when you hear old, don't, don't think obsolete. Don't think decrepit. Don't think that what, he, what is being said here, let me, let me put it in a little bit uh, different way. Because in our modern mind, old, immediately we make that kind of association. It's not as good as. But think vintage with me. Think with me that like, like a householder who goes into his wine cellar and he's going to select the best wine out of it. And that he's going to bring out that special wine that has been waiting, that's been maturating, and that's come. And it's just the right time for it to be, to, for it to be opened up. And that, and that there's both old and new. That there's something vintage that has been maturing, that's been growing, that's been getting more valuable. The old is called a treasure and the new is called a treasure. And for the people of God to walk in fullness, we need to be able to embrace both the times and the seasons and the old and the new. The signs in the heavens and the signs on earth below. Our history in God as a people of God and our glorious future. And at the middle of that story, we find the cross. And the cross is that bridge between old and new. It's that bridge between heaven and earth. And as we're on this celebrating this silent Saturday or the Feast of Unleavened Bread at this time, we're asking God, we don't want to make light of the power of the cross, but we want fullness. We want more revelation. We want more understanding. We want more knowledge that we can, that our hearts would be enlarged so that we can dream the dreams of God for a city and for a region. That we can have, dare to ask God bold prayers like Solomon asked that said, give me wisdom that's greater than the kings of the east and of Egypt. Give me the kind of wisdom that will build your house and that I'll be able to govern your people well. It says in Genesis 1.14, that verse there that said there also, it had, there's a, a governmental um, aspect to this where it says that they will govern the heavens as he placed these celestial bodies in the heavens. And we won't go too far down that tonight. But just to say that as we come into fullness, there is a release of a governmental mantle for fullness to be the kingdom people that he's called us to be, to see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in the heart of God. And so as we give ourselves to the heart of God in worship and adoration, beholding him, our hearts are being enlarged with fullness. And on a day like this, we come to the foot of the cross. And we say, stretch my heart from the earth to the heavens. And stretch my heart from history past to history future that's being made. And in it, let me see and participate in your redemptive plan and bring a people with that largeness of heart that can see cities and regions transform for the glory of God.
I'll tell you a story. Years ago, we were in our worship room, and we are in one of these long, extended times where God's presence just rolled in, and we're, we're looking for the waves uh, of, of his presence there in Cyprus. And, you know, often what we would find is, you know, is that, you know, through, if we give space and time, the Lord comes, and he, and he comes in different ways. And often it's just, to, it's just to test and see if we'll follow him. If we'll go with him, he doesn't reveal himself the same way each time, but he's looking for relationship. He's looking for those that will stay near to him. That will value his nearness. That we would be like Mary at the foot of the cross. That we'd be near to him even when we don't understand. All our hopes feel dashed in that moment, but we were there remaining when so many of the bold expressions of the disciples and they fled, but there was one that stayed at the foot of the cross. John, the disciple that Yeshua loved. And in that moment, there in Yeshua's agony on the cross, he's continuing to create family and relationship. And join hearts together. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And we were in one of these moments, and it began to just move into kind of an intercessory dimension. And I had a vision, and I just began to prophesy and declare this vision that I was seeing at the time. And I saw the map of the United States. And that wouldn't be common. You know, we're over there in the Near East. We're in the eastern part of the Mediterranean. And our main area was the assignment that God had given us in those years is all the nations that surround the Mediterranean Sea, the 22 nations and the islands in between. East Africa, the Middle East, and that was, that was our playground for the kingdom of God. And then I see this map of the United States, and I see in the northwest of the map, I, around the city of Spokane, I see fire being just breaking open on the map. And I look across, and in the northeast, I see fires rising up in the northeast there. And God began to speak to me. I'm declaring, when the fires of the healing revivalists of the northwest are reignited, and when the fires of the great awakening are reignited, that they will come down, and as the old is reignited, it will come down across the nation, and I saw it come down to Texas, and when it came to Texas, there was a convergence of these fiery streams, and the Lord said, and when the old is reignited, I will release a new thing. I will do a new thing there. And as I looked, I saw a fiery red V on the map of the United States of America. And the Lord said, when I bring together the old revivals with the new thing that I'm about to do, it will be a V for victory in the United States. You know, and you prophesy it and you declare it and you shout it out. And literally I thought, okay, that was weird. That's not my assignment, but maybe we're praying for people in America right now, and then let's get on with what we're called to do. We had no idea that almost every single one of those leaders that were in the room that day, years later, would be repositioned to three. We're all, we're all missionaries. We're all like Nations, sent ones, living for that, would be repositioned to the northwest, to Spokane area, to the northeast of the United States, and to Texas. And coming here this weekend, there is a joy in my heart 
because I, I wrote our fellow leadership team, and I realized that last night in Spokane, Washington, my brother was leading a Passover Seder with Victory Faith Church. And my brother in love at Life Center Ministries in the Northeast was leading a Good Friday service. And that we're here joining with you for a Passover Seder here in Austin, Texas. And we're all in, fallen into this divine alignment in this, where we're saying, God, we recognize that there's something important about the times and the seasons. And when they intersect together, my heart is expected for a suddenly, for a divine advance of the kingdom of God. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. He who has eyes to see a vision here. If he who has a heart to believe, let your heart be expanded with love for this city. I want to tell you something. I want to provoke you to jealousy if you don't have passion for your city right now. As someone that's coming from the northeast of the United States, I've been crying out for the last few years for Hartford and for Boston and for the cities of the northeast and with passion in my heart to say, God, raise up, Lord God, another, the greatest awakening that hasn't been seen yet. Raise up those old wells of revival going alongside of pastors and saying, let's believe that God will do it again in our generation. But I've been watching, I've been looking online to see what's going on with Bethel Austin, to see what God's doing in this place, because I had a vision of a map, and I saw that when those fire, old fires get relit, that there was a connection to what God was going to do in this region, in this place, of a new thing, and that it would spread and be a message of hope and victory for the whole nation. And I love Austin. I love your city. And I want to provoke you. I'm not from here. But I feel Abba's heart. Who will love her? Who will love her? Who will tell her that I love her? Who would tell her that I hung between heaven and earth for her? Who will come to the foot of the cross and say, restore what has been broken? Who will believe that the promises that are resident in the ground that past generations dared to believe for and didn't see in their generation could possibly spring forth in a moment? They're like seeds that fall into the ground and die as we're on silent Saturday. He, like a seed of grain of wheat, unless it fall into the ground and die, it will abide alone. But after darkness comes light. After death comes resurrection. The cry in Geneva during the Reformation was post tenebras lux, after darkness, light. They saw a city transformed by the word of God. And it won't only come from right doctrine, bold faith, 
But this move will be marked by how well we as God's people love her. Father, would you break open your heart? Would you break open the passion of your heart? Teach us how to love a city. Teach us how to love regions. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Father, we just ask that you would increase our territory. Yeah. Some of you have been what you feel is out of the blue, started to dream about a new business venture that was off the course from what you thought the trajectory of your life was going. Lord, release largeness of heart for transformation. Some of you have had the desire to establish the borders of your property, to see them extended and expanded. I believe the Lord put those desires there. Largeness of heart. Some have been dreaming about a table being set for the hungry and the thirsty. Find a place of welcome at, a place of belonging. Hospitality and hosting the presence go hand in hand. As we learn to open our hearts, not just our homes or our tables, but open our hearts to others. We learn the ways like Abraham to host the presence of God, or as Hebrew says, to even entertain angels unaware. Father, I just thank you for vision for hospitality industry for cafes and restaurants where tables will be set. Whew. To host others and to host your presence at the same time. See, that's the nature of God from the beginning when he created the garden. 
for mankind. He planted trees in the garden, and they were beautiful for the eye. They were, it was aesthetically delightful. It was a garden of delight. But it was also, it had the supply to feed. And from the very beginning, God set a table for mankind, a place of fellowship, a place where he is the uncreated, could encounter his creation. The whole garden was a place of encounter. It was a, the whole garden was a place where a meal was being laid out. You could choose to eat from any of these trees. And throughout the scriptures, we see that he's constantly laying a table. He's constantly revealing himself to his people as bread and as wine. He's revealing himself. He's wanting to have intimate fellowship. He's wanting to have to dine with his people. And in the story that we recounted last night for Passover now as we're in this Feast of Unleavened Bread, they were to eat bread in haste, that unleavened bread, as they were leaving Egypt. But as they came into the wilderness to worship him, he met them with miracles and signs and wonders, not only for their deliverance, but for their sustenance. Not only to set them free, but for them to move forward in that liberty and enjoy fellowship with him. And the, something began to fall from the sky, fall from the heavens. And they said, mana, in Hebrew, it means like, what is it? Mana, what is this? And we call it bread and we liken it to bread, but we don't really know. It's a heavenly substance that came down from heaven. And can you imagine a million plus Israelites in the middle of the wilderness being fed from heaven by this manna, this bread from heaven, this what is it? We don't even know how to describe it. But I could tell you something, that it didn't have yeast in it. Like natural bread, it was the bread of heaven that came down to supply, and they were able to eat that, and they gathered it, and they would have enough just for that day, and then the next day it would fall for them. And that manna, that, that manna from heaven, that bread from heaven came down and supplied them in the wilderness. It went into the Ark of the Covenant, the testimony of God's power's glory. This month, right now in the Hebrew calendar, is the month of miracles. It's actually the translation is miracles of miracles. It's the month of Nisan. And it's the month of miracles where God delivered Israel with his mighty right arm and he provided for them. And he provided so that their shoes didn't wear out, their clothing didn't wear out. He gave them sustenance in the wilderness and his presence was in their midst. He was laying a table for a million people. We need to have largeness of heart to begin to believe, to dream the dreams of God. Amen. To think bigger. For our hearts to be expanded for the more of the Lord. As we allow love to expand our hearts, there are no limits to what love can do. God provided for a million plus people, and that's on the conservative side, in the wilderness... So that their clothes and wear out, that water gushed forth to provide for them, that they had bread coming down from heaven during that time, and his presence and his glory. Then he, by many miracles, 
eventually brought them into the land of Israel. And the manna stopped because he brought them into the place of promise where the earth itself responded to the people of God. Like Romans 8 says that the earth itself is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. And that the earth would respond in fruitfulness as they came into the place where they lived under vines they did not plant, houses they did not build, that the wealth of the nations that had formerly oppressed them now had become theirs to establish them. And his glory came in their midst, and he continued to lay a, ta a table for them. And he continued to reveal himself as bread. I will be that bread from heaven, and I will provide bread from the earth. So every Sabbath, we have two loaves of bread. And we think about, in those two loaves, that Jesus is the bread of heaven, and he's also provided bread from the earth for us, and he brings heaven and earth together. He supplies us from heaven, and he supplies us from the earth, and in those, we can take, and we eat in faith every time. Right now, tonight, on the biblical calendar is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And Jesus, he came, and particularly in the book of John, we see it, but he came and he kept revealing himself. I am that bread that came down from heaven for you. And last night we talked about all the ways that he's the lamb. And then you move into these seven days of being able to, to not eat leavened bread because leaven spoke of its nature, of something that would grow rapidly. And there was different kinds of leaven that they were to get rid of that represented sin. And we eat for seven days, according to Jewish tradition, unleavened bread, which is not that pleasant. It's pretty dry. But to remind us that we don't eat, live by bread alone, but by every word that comes down from heaven. And then when seven days are up, the rest of the year, bring on the leaven. Because leaven is not only negative, but there's also leaven of the kingdom. And it's the nature of the kingdom to increase. It's the nature of the kingdom to have largeness of heart. That's born by the love of God. I feel that God is reaching his hands down into our hearts tonight by his love. And he's expanding us into fullness, both between heaven and earth. And by the past story of redemption and the fullness to come. He's making us aware of what he's doing. So Jesus, when he brought meaning into the Passover Seder and he instituted communion, he said, this is my body that's broken for you. He continued to reveal himself as bread. And even in his resurrection when he came, it was when he broke the bread with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus that revelation came because the resurrected Lord can appear however he wants. But what was unmistakable, something that was so familiar to them and just days before they had experienced, was that he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. And even as he came to them, hiding his nature from who he is and asking them questions about what was going on, when he broke the bread and he blessed it, it couldn't hold back any longer because there was a picture from the garden up until that time of who he is is revealed as the bread of heaven. And then they began to say, 
Oh, didn't our hearts burn within us as he revealed to us how he fulfilled everything that the law and the prophets had spoke about up until this time. And then, poof, he disappears. But their hearts are burning. What was it that they said to him as they were walking along the road? Stay. Abide with us. His words were bread to them before they sat down at a table to eat, and he broke the bread and had fuller revelation. Yeshua, in this season of unleavened bread, let our words, I mean, let your words create hunger in our hearts that makes us pull up to the table that you're preparing. They didn't realize that the answer to their prayer for them or their request to stay or to abide with them would be in the breaking of bread. And then they remembered, he said, as often as you do this, remember me. And he continues to be the bread of heaven and the bread of life and will continue to reveal himself in that way. I have something on my heart recently I've been meditating on. The many past revivals were marked by the revelation of communion at the table of the Lord. The great Moravian revival of the 1700s started with a communion service where the spirit of love and what they described as the nearness of Jesus came upon them and it launched a movement of prayer that lasted 120 years and a movement of missions that went out and touched the nations. And they continued everywhere they went to hold love feasts to remember the day when the spirit of God was poured out upon them. The Cane Ridge Revival was a communion service where over 10,000 people gathered together and were falling out under conviction of the power of the Holy Spirit as they were celebrating the bread of heaven, the bread of life. At some point, the evangelistic revivals began to, to substitute communion because it became an issue of doctrine and it became divisive and just with a generic altar call. But I've been asking the Lord in this season, I'm saying, God, would you be raising up another revival? Would you be raising up a revival of your presence, of the bread of heaven and the wine of the Lord that would be poured out in the nations of the earth so that reconciliation and healing and that the family could be gathered around the table so that we could advance to the day when there's the marriage supper of the Lamb and that there's a table that's set out for all the nations of the earth and for all of the redeemed to come and be gathered as the family of God. As we are in between Good Friday and tomorrow, Resurrection Sunday, we're here at the start of this Feast of Unleavened Bread, and I pray that he would be the bread of heaven for each of you. Break open revelation in our hearts, and in it, expand us and our hearts in your love feast with largeness of heart so that we wouldn't just set a table in our home in our community but we could see a table set for a city and for a region that would be pointing the way to the fullness of a global marriage supper where all the nations are gathered together 
And Jesus is revealed in the fullness of his glory, his beauty, and his power. Do it in our hearts. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.